Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all the listeners of the Book Talkies, or let's should I say viewers, because this episode is going to be on YouTube along with our other podcast platforms as well. So thanks for tuning in, and thanks for liking, sharing, and subscribing. If you have not done that already, please do that. Today's episode would be technical, I believe so, more on the medical and pharmaceutical side but quite interesting as well. We have my dear old batchmate, schoolmate, Abe, Dr. Pathak, and uh, he would be talking about one of his books that he has co-authored and um, which is, which is, which he, I'll ask him, I'll ask him to share more about it. Uh, But before I get into, before we get into knowing about his book, we would want to know more about him. So Abe, Dr. Pathak, welcome to the Book Talkies. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, gentlemen. Uh, Hello to the viewers, I guess, whatever time zones you're in. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night if you're sleeping. (laughs) Abe, so now you'll be Abe for us because we already know you and we had a quite an interesting off the record, record conversation. Yes, I'm, I'm very glad to have connected with you, man. I mean, um, as, as, a, as a schoolmate, as a batchmate, first of all, very, very proud of you, of what you have achieved, what you're doing. And yeah. it's, it, it's, we don't get a chance at, in our profession to talk to someone who is actually on daily basis making an impact, positive impact in the world. I would want... I, w- I would really want to understand your life story because the way you, you do not have a social media presence. So it was very hard for us to do our research, do our homework, whatever we could read from the LinkedIn profile. I mean, you have done what not. You have, you are an Harvard alumni. Let me start with that. You are running, I believe, two companies right now. You are, them, yeah. yeah, you are. I believe a, a noted public speaker, and yes. and lots of fellowships which even we don't understand. So me neither. Quite quite. <laughs> so quite 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 a lot of things have happened since the last time we have spoken, which was like almost two de- two decades ago. Um, yes. Abe, uh, once again, thank you for joining us, and I would want to know more about you now, please. So it's it's kind of a funny story. I think we our family moved to India when I was six years old. And that was a challenge because I had the thickest American accent and people could not understand me. And I remember as a child, once I got to learn how to write my name in the Hindi script, I wrote my name in that particular script on every examination papers and all of that. And then I got kind of yelled at because I wrote in English uh, class my name in the script. Yeah, I got beat a lot in school, very much so. <laughs> and they only tell you that, you know, 
that, oh, you know, we expect great things from you. That's why we beat you. So that's their excuse. Uh, fast forwarding now to, you know, uh, the 10th grade uh, where everybody was surprised because I did very well in those exams. Better than most that, you know, people would have thought. I even got what they call a distinction in Marathi. And that was my first ever one in my entire school career. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, everybody was surprised in that one. But then, you know, moved back to Texas. Uh, did high school there, played in the marching band, uh, played rugby, which now has resulted in quite a few broken bones and long-term sequelae. I uh, was in the astronomy club. Somehow I graduated uh, and finished high school despite all the head injuries, went to college, uh, did a jump over to medical school, then you know worked in research, did fellowships, uh, edited books, worked in the private sector for a little bit had all sorts of different experiences, lived in China for a year, teaching in the medical school and learning Chinese medicine because integrative medicine has always been a passion of mine since growing up. Because every time I remember when we used to get hurt or get a cut in India, you used to put turmeric on it. It burned, but then also, you know, magically you would have better results, no infections. And, and that was a home remedy that, you know, has translated into Western medicine, as we call it, a lot of what we have today is actually based off of ancient medicines and ancient systems that people used to mm. have. And that's really when we get to talking about the book, we'll visit that topic. I would just compliment on the not so predictable life that you have had. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah. And how uh, humble we've you been are. To over, well, we've been to over 60 countries now at this point. So I, I've, I've been, I know I've been to over 60 and speak quite a few different languages, including Mandarin. And well, if you have to study Chinese medicine, you have to learn Mandarin because it is in Mandarin. Wow. I mean, in, and, in case if, if we have a parallel productivity channel, right? I mean, we would we would literally dissect how your day goes by, you know, from your morning routine, afternoon routine and whatnot. But that's for maybe our, our phase two, phase three, then we, if we have any at that channel. But yeah, please, please go on. Well, the, as far as the mornings are concerned, you know, I have a, the same coffee machine now that I've had for 15 years. I don't know how long it's lasted this far, but, you know, I have to have one good cup of coffee and that also goes back to selecting beans you know it's everything i do kind of has a research methodology to it so you try different beans you find the one you like and then you buy a couple of bags of it you know that lasts you a long time so that's one thing that's already sorted out you just fill the beans fill the water hit the button it grinds coffee done you know it's simple and so it's just if you become a creature of habit a lot of things become simpler. You know, a lot of things go off of your plate that you think that you have to worry about. So then mm -hmm. you can actually focus on what's important. And, you know, fortunately, I've had a very interesting and very uh, great life. Quite a few close calls, you know, lost on a mountain once while having adventures in my Jeep. Uh, been shot at a couple of times in a hospital scenario. Yeah, that, that was one time it was funny because we had an event in one of the emergency OR type rooms and I had called my mom because there was shooting happening and my mom said duck and then she hung up the phone. That was the best advice ever. 
Is it wow. You know, oh high, high bill or something. Yeah. The last on the mountain was fun too. You know, there was a helicopter and mountain lions and rattlesnakes. Just interesting things. Should we should we actually not discuss about the book and just discuss about this? <laughs> well, I've been now told that you know I should kind of live just in a bubble. Wow, that is so, some life, yeah, uh, some sort of experiences you have there. Oh, and there was you know scuba diving accident one time. So. And this is just one lifetime you're talking about, or <laughs> have you lived yes, a few actually, already? <laughs> it, it's funny you bring that up. I just started another new life. Four months ago, when uh, I received an organ transplant, which was due to uh, long-term COVID complications. Oh, so, oh my know, god! I, I got another life. You know, it's, it's a bonus. I'm in bonus time, man. We we all did think it was going to end four months ago, but somehow we wow. we got out of that one. That's what the British would call a sticky wicket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But good to see you here, and good to know that you are recovering well now. Um, and I think it was you a team effort, talk- man. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, there's a lot which happens in the background, but then you yourself have to bring yourself to uh, the reality and sort of live through it and see yourself through it. Uh, that that uh, itself speaks a lot. Uh, so kudos to you. You've talked about a lot of things, but as as Kostub said, right? We could not find too much about you. But then all yeah. we could find was books and books and books that you have authored, books around bioinformatics, books around nutraceuticals, and then gut health and artificial intelligence and how technology is impacting all of this and whatnot. So maybe just want to understand there you there is medicine and then and you are dealing with technology and medicine. So how does that sort of all come together? How has that sort of impacted your life? Well, if you think about uh, medicine, right, from a historical perspective, we covered nutrition in medicine, we covered hygiene, covered all sorts of different aspects that we don't really have time for in these days, right? So technology is and has helped us get this far. Uh, Ten years ago, you could not have thought about a live heart transplant, but our hospital here, Tampa General Hospital, it's one of the best hospitals in the country, including for transplant, just did their first live heart transplantation very recently. And it is a level one trauma center, you know, one of the best hospitals around, saved my life, owe them for that one. But you know, every time we look at medical curriculum, every time you look at TV commercials for medicines, you know, there's such a big evolution. And now that we've already discovered technology, it's happening exponentially. So it's not happening in phases. This is growing. And now, you know, we have medicines for diseases we didn't even think we knew about. I mean, autoimmune diseases, complicated rare genetic diseases. We have treatments. We have lifestyle modifications for all of those. But also there is a big anchor. The big root of this goes back generations. So what we think of organic produce is what our ancestors used to eat as regular food. So now a lot of times I ask people, how did your grandparents eat? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, you know, they used to get the vegetables from the garden, milk the cows in the morning, churn the butter at home, and then, you know, all that. So they do know about all these things, but it's just convenient to go to McDonald's and go to the drive-thru and order a cheeseburger and fries and a Coke. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's quite affordable, although the prices has 
I think they have doubled in the last five years of fast food. So yeah. there's that. But the mainly what I really think about and talk to uh, patients and people about is let's go back to the 1950s because a lot of times, you know, people can remember that time because they were kids or so that's when in this country, in America, we started mass producing food, right? industrialization of uh, food technology. And that's when we started sucking out nutrition from the food. So then things like pellagra happened, which is a deficiency of B vitamins. And there are the four Ds of pellagra, uh, dementia, diarrhea, dermatitis, and then eventually death if it's not fixed early on. And this is just something simple that you get from B vitamins, which are in milk mm -hmm. and some whole grains. And, and now, so we had to enact nutrition laws that every product that we consume has to have a minimum amount of such and such. So that's where we get into food additives and GMOs and things like that. So that's mm -hmm. in the last 50 to 75 years. And then now, you know, we think about all the new uh, increased prevalence of diseases and not just incidents, but prevalence, which is, you know, diseases that are already in an existing population. Mm -hmm. It's, you can attribute that going back to 75 years, you know, increased diabetes, increased high blood pressure, increased cholesterol, increased autoimmune. So all that really just goes to the nutrition, which ties into the book, because now we're discovering that a lot of uh, disease processes have a commonality, which is inflammation. So, you mm -hmm. know, we've heard of anti-inflammatory diets, you know, turmeric yeah. and things like that as a big player, but also intestinal flora is very important. And what we're trying to figure out scientifically is blue zones. I don't know if you guys are familiar with blue zones. No, no, I'm not. So blue zones, uh, it, it's actually a very interesting uh, area. It's probably worth looking into. It's the areas of the world that have populations with the longest age spans, longest lifespans. Ah, uh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. So, uh, so I think, I think to the, out. the book, the book Ikigai. I don't know if you know. Um, it's it's yes, yeah. yeah, so it's it's about studying the lives of uh, a place in Japan. I forgot that that city's name. Yeah. Where Hector Garcia, who's the author, he goes and studies them and talks to those uh, centenarians. I mean, yeah. yeah. So that's what it's called, blue zones. Okay, understood. Okay. So people have tried to replicate those blue zones, right? Again, uh -huh. what research has shown is there are different components. Diet and nutrition. Now, we look at blue zones, you know, uh, there's some in the Mediterranean, in Italy, some in Japan. And what they have in common is a lot of fermented foods. Oh. Fermented foods are typically something that we know as probiotics. Right. Like if you had not thought about this previously, yogurt is a fermented food. We love yogurt. In, in our Indian diet, it's almost in every meal. So that is fermentation, right? You boil the milk and you let it just pretty much the bacteria do the thing. So in Japanese cuisine, you know, there's soy sauce is fermented. Feta cheese fermented. So all these things, you know, if you really just look at it, it's simple nutrition. I mean, you don't really even need a scientific mind. You just have to have basic understanding. You know, basically fermentation is a process when things go bad, but bad in a very good way. So that supports your intestinal flora, right? That's probiotics. 
And now the, the other side to that is everybody wants to take antibiotics, right? You get a cold. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You go to the pharmacy, you get some omoxicillin. Now, we have overused antibiotics to the point where you have destroyed some of the natural beneficial bacteria mm-hmm. and let the bad bacteria take over. So that's where, you know, we lead into the book. So w- one of our uh, uh, research uh, theories was, does gut bacteria have any association with the increased anxiety we have? You know what? Let, let, let me hold you there, Abe. We still haven't actually called out the name of the book and you have already subtly, smoothly told us, explained how simple the science behind your book is. So yeah, it's... yeah the, the name of the book, just, just so that I, we need to call that out. The name of the book is Anxiety, Gut Microbiome and Nutraceuticals, which is you, you along with two doctors, have co-authored yeah. this? Yeah. Also my father. Yeah. So Dr. Yashwan Pathak is my father. Oh, smooth. smooth. He's a pharmacist. Okay. So we, we've done uh, five books together. And it, it's so much fun, you know, to work with your family. Never would you have thought that, you know, you would be growing up and working with your father on a book or working on the same floor in a university campus, just different departments. What a fascinating story. That's man. amazing. Yeah. We did save gas, you know, with the carpool to work. You <laughs> <laughs> did, you did. <laughs> okay, please, please go on. Yeah, so so that's not just one aspect, right? So again, if you're able to control the probiotics in your food, then that's one less thing to worry about. Because I would like to refer to the first book I ever did, which is about preventive and healthcare applications with nutraceuticals, right? So that also ties into what chronic lifestyle diseases are. So we mm-hmm. can manage a lot of these things, our day-to-day diseases like lowering blood sugar can be done with probiotics, fermented foods. And these are not scientific realizations. These are just recipes that we've derived from history. What mm-hmm. people used to do back in the day. And now we just need to have it where if it's, a medical profession who recommends it, then it must be the golden goose, as opposed to what people have been doing for generations. So that's not empirical evidence enough. You know, we need something like a fact or a number that we can read. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why there's a lot of research now, because there is a lot of good value in these traditional systems of medicine. But the the other side of that also is that, you know, they take longer. So people expect overnight results, what we call as instant gratification, instantaneous gratification. And it's very common, right? You do the app, you guys are in technology. What are the apps nowadays they're designed for, right? Instant food. I feel hungry, Grubhub, Postmates, you know, Uber Eats. Oh, I need booze delivered. There's an app for that. I need to rent a car, app for that. I need to go to airport, app for that. I mean, there's all sorts of different apps for everything. But sometimes, you know, you should just think, eat some mushrooms. You know, a lot of food, and I, I like to refer to Chinese medicine in specific because I'm a big fan of Chinese medicine, right? A lot of their food is seasonal. Mm-hmm. So now they found out through years of experience and experimenting on people that 
seasonal variation in food helps to fight certain diseases that time of year. So now when we it comes down to fall and winter season, you cannot have tropical fruit. You cannot have summer mm -hmm. fruit because mm -hmm. A, it's not going to give you the amount of nutrition that it gets in peak season. And B, it's not going to taste as good either. So you can't have watermelon year round. Watermelon is a summer food because it helps you from dehydration, right? In summer, what do we have? Dehydration. Right. So it has uh, potassium, vitamin C, and quite a few other nutrients, and it is rich in hydration. So that's why you eat watermelon in the summer out in the sun after a long afternoon. So these are things we know, but we need somebody with an MD or a PhD at the end of their name to tell us to do these, which is, again, going down to common sense, which is mm -hmm. why explanation of medicine is very easy if you think about it. Make it as complicated as you want to. But who's going to go and look up what you mentioned in your five minutes that you have with the patient if you do that? Oh, you know, this enzyme, this, that, this. Who's going to pay attention to that? Hmm. But if you tell somebody that your blood vessels are like a garden hose, everybody uses a garden hose. So if you put a rock on a garden hose that is narrowing your blood vessel and then you're not getting enough water coming out the other end. Same thing, you know, with it's, that's just how your body works. It's physiology. It's simple. Imagine, I mean, imagine having this conversation with a doctor. I mean, it, I, I, I never had such a simple explanation to such such complicated things. And know? and and that too at no cost, right? Otherwise, medical <laughs> advice is always at a cost. So, well, I would. Uh, I always I give it free. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> we have, we have, uh, we are in some luck today. So, uh, quite interesting things that you're talking about here. Uh, maybe, as I said, getting free medical advice is becoming challenging by the day with a lot of these uh, post-COVID apps. Uh, they are sort of giving you advice, medical advice on mobile apps, uh, but then also there is a cost of associated to it, which is definitely understandable, but maybe I want to use this opportunity to sort of understand a couple of things which from you. So I have like two questions in mind. One is bloating and constipation. These are two things which affect, impact anyone and everyone at some point in their lives, right? So yeah. are these specifically impacting you because of the kind of food you eat? or how you eat that food, meaning how many times you chew it, whether you eat, whether you just literally gulp that food down or actually chew it properly, or is it because of some kinds of food, or is it because you have a particular body type? So what really drives this? And then maybe if once you answer that, I'd go to the second question, which is just demystifying some of the things which my family has told me over these years. Oh, like, you know, don't cut your nails in the dark at night. Uh, things, things like, like things like uh, ensure you're walking after food. Don't lie down after you've had a meal. Uh, have warm water first thing in the morning. Empty stomach, really good for you. The, what what you said, you know, uh, walking after you eat dinner, that's called shatapavali, right? So it's in <laughs> ancient uh, traditional Ayurvedic medicine. Basically, what you're doing is increasing the circulation, right, by walking, and your circulation. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but right after you're done eating, you feel a little bit cold. Yeah. That's because all of your blood is going to your digestive system. So now when you add walking to it, you know, the blood is pumping faster. So that means 
you're breaking down and digesting foods much quicker because you're getting more blood. And then that's also supplying uh, that nutrient aspect of food overall because now you're circulating faster. So, you know, I, I love some of these old traditions that are explained to us as children. Now, they explain in a certain way that, you know, if you don't do this, something bad is going to happen. Exactly. That's for your own good, because as a child, are you likely to listen to a scientific explanation? <laughs> Maybe not. Forward. <laughs> Forward. Yeah. But if somebody sat there and explained to you, listen, if you do this, you're going to live a longer, healthier life. Would you be more likely to do that then? A hundred percent. But I think a lot of times things are passed on from generations to generations. They yeah. may have worked. They may not have worked. But they're just passed on because you've been your family or because of traditions or whatever reasons as habits, you've been continuing to do it. So, yeah, definitely agree. As children, if you're told it's good for you, you would definitely do it. But most of the times you don't know what and why you're doing it. And what mm. benefit is that thing bringing to you? And that's where I'm sort of coming from when I'm talking about these okay. things. Uh, so now you said uh, don't sleep after you eat. Uh, don't uh, lie down. And that's don't yeah. lie down. So exactly. what happens there is if you think about it, and, and this is again also very simple. So once you begin the process of digestion, there's a lot of stomach acid that's involved for the breakdown of complex molecules. Right? Mm -hmm. So there's a system where once food goes down your esophagus and goes into the stomach, so I'm doing a J loop here. Mm -hmm. uh, at each checkpoint, there's a different uh, hormone or chemical released to aid the process of digestion. So some break down protein, some break down fat, some break down complex glucose. I mean, some carbohydrates. So you go in like glycogen to glucose. I mean, this is polysaccharide, monosaccharide. So now when you get the acid portion and if you lay down, part of your esophagus flap, you know, it's the one-sided flap, you know, it opens up a little bit and the acid starts coming back up only because of the way you're laying down. So if you lay down like that, the acid won't climb up. But if you're flat, the acid will go through because water travels on a flat surface. Liquids travel on a flat surface. Liquids usually don't go up the incline. So that's, I mean, that's a simple explanation, right? You see that makes sense why you shouldn't do that after you eat. And then as far as the bloating, constipation, constipation, one of the simplest explanations is you're not drinking enough water. Mm -hmm. Right? If you eat a meat-heavy diet, you're likely to get constipation. But then people bring up the arguments uh, of gauchos. I, I don't know if you're familiar with gaucho. Uh, they're no. the cowboys in Argentina. They, they manage cattle. So they eat a lot of beef, but also they drink a lot of mate. So mate is an herb tea that facilitates in the digestion of all that meat. So now we call it as an adjuvant in chemistry. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, that will help you with the constipation. So it's really on how you eat, how much you eat. The key word here, and overall you'll hear me say this multiple times, is moderation. Hmm. You're familiar with the circles of uh, yin and yang, the Chinese symbol? Yeah. What do you think that stands for? Balance. Balance, right? But now if you pay more attention closely, there's two uh, colors, right? White and black. But in the black portion, there's a small white circle. And in the white mm -hmm. portion, there's a small black circle. So now uh, that's a little bit, you know, you can do a little bit of flexibility. But if you do too much, then you create an imbalance. 
Interesting. Uh, well, that can be presented as flatulence or constipation. That just depends on what you eat. Yeah. My, my, my grandmother used to tell me that you are what you eat. I mean, and of course, being I'm going through that, actually, Abe. I have a three-and-a-half-year-old, very, yeah. very picky eater. Um, and I now I know what my parents and my grandparents have gone through. Um, yeah. Because now the way I have my balanced diet is because of, again, going through certain health challenges. Yeah. And then I realized, okay, this is not good. But why even I, I have to bring it up on myself and make myself realize that this is not good. You got to make some drastic changes to your life. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I, I think our elders are right. I mean, of course, our elders are right. You guys speak Hindi, right? I'm guessing you do. Yes. I mean, yes. They, they forced us in, to learn in school. Is it Garki Murgi Dal Barabar? So that expression has so much value. Yeah. Now, let's say if your best friend's parents and grandparents told you, you know, don't sleep after you eat. Are you going to listen to them? Of course you are. Yeah. But the same thing from your parents, you're not going to listen to. Mm -hmm. And what, what Kostup said was a very good and interesting point. Because now if you live your life dietarily, nutritionally in disharmony, that's the way your genes are being transcribed. Mm -hmm. So now when we were talking about the processed food, if you continue to eat the processed food, then your genes are going to begin transcribing a certain way and those genes are now being passed on from generation to generation and now when you say oh i didn't have any autoimmune disease in, in you know my family why, why do the next generations have it because something in your genetic components was passed on because the way you lived your lifestyle so it's not just affecting you mm -hmm. but you're causing a change down the pipeline does that make sense make me understand this if i'm if i'm, if I'm getting there at a, till a certain age, lifestyle was challenging. The lifestyle was not it how it was supposed to be. But let's say yeah. if someone transforms their life and finds that yin and yang balance, yeah. are you saying that this genetic factor tra transfers into the, the next generation? Or are you saying the, the earlier one, what, what I had or anyone had gone through? Well, if you think about it, you'll have a little bit of both, right? Because we're... Mm -hmm. If you guys remember DNA replication, it happens mm -hmm. continuously, right? Cell growth, cell repair, same like with your skin. You know, you shed and regrow. Same thing with your mm -hmm. hair, you shed and regrow. And when that cycle gets disrupted, now you get uh, things like cancer. Right? So cancer mm -hmm. is basically, you take out one of the checkpoints and then the cell multiplication continues without stopping. Your body will naturally stop it. So I mean, all of those things are, tied together so now if we continue to transcribe good habits that will be passed on but you know that usually takes a generation you you the name the first word is anxiety yeah okay i always thought that so when even in an expression i have this we, whenever we are expressing and using the term i have a gut feeling yeah body language wise you 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 touch your stomach i have a gut feeling that this is how it is going yes. to be Right, so you yeah. always touch your, your your stomach portion, but your your you you start your 
book with the term anxiety and the way when we we try to read about it yeah it's somehow it's how your healthy gut or your stomach problems are directly correlated to the to the depressions to the anxieties or to the to, to your mental health this yeah is something which we didn't know which we didn't anticipate could you yeah. shed some light on that so the the funny thing is it's not just related to uh mental health it's overall health so mm-hmm. now we'll find out you know there's i mean i'm there, i'm sure there's other books saying that you know gut health affects this gut health affects that but when we look at uh the people today the population in general we have increased anxiety little things give people anxiety uh i've moved around all my life right mm-hmm. from one place to the other and i had no anxiety but a lot of people get anxiety from just moving from one place to another it was like oh i'm going to a new town i don't know anybody there that's and that that is challenging right but then do, you also look you, at the diet so you said you you don't get anxious don't have that much anxiety as compared to others do you attribute that to your lifestyle to your food habits i think a lot of it is also thought process i mean when it comes to my case because i know mm-hmm. i can make friends very easily you know just go and mm-hmm. talk to people and you know there's a sphere of things which i understand completely but you know i i have no shame <laughs> so i'll i'll go and talk to whoever it's it's not a big issue and as far as moving places you know you always look forward to something you can always harbor on the negative so you see how that that also is combined with what you eat it's it's not just one particular aspect of nutrition it's it's an overall you know uh, how they talk about weight loss right yeah what what is the what is the equation since you you're doing it and, and this is uh, between exercise and diet what is the percentage of what we need to do for weight loss okay it's a question is 80 okay. in diet 20 in exercise something of that sort yeah so now i mean if you think about that particular equation we follow that right? you follow that blindly mm-hmm. so why can't we follow that for other lifestyle issues life or medical issues for example moving to a new place elaborate so it's 80% and 20% right we'll just use those mm-hmm. numbers so mm-hmm. let, let's say we'll have 20% fear which is 1/5 if you think about it in fractional terms mm-hmm. and it's fear of the unknown mm-hmm. you know but some people have 80% fear and 20% comfort Mm-hmm. and that's increased anxiety so that's not necessarily attributed to food right that's a circumstance mm-hmm. but if you have a better diet if you have better habits that number goes down slowly and it will go down as you get more acclimated you'll be more comfortable so that that's what we kind of want to focus on but purely from a scientific a chemistry point of view what your body processes of what you eat kind of plays out not just in terms of mental health but overall physical health because if you get the nutrients that are beneficial for each organ system then you're going to be healthier overall mm-hmm. and so we we're just exploring one aspect of the big uh gut intestinal gut relationship that we have with disease processes so that's just one specific aspect to how it benefits mental health 
and potentially there could be applications down the road with this type of research and Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, traumatic brain injury, stroke, because they all have some overlap in how the disease processes work. So then, you know, let's say, okay, psychiatric diseases, maybe there's an overlap in beneficial, uh, I guess, applications for the other diseases. So that's kind of how we start and how we want to think about. So that's why we started with anxiety, because it's fairly common, very common. And with mm -hmm. everything that's going in, on in the world today and what you see on social media, and if you're like me, I subscribe to you know emails from the State Department here. You know, that we always get alerts, don't travel here, or you know, it's dangerous to travel. So now, you know, that builds up your anxiety, that builds up your fear. Hmm. And it's, it's natural. So how do we combat that? We try to eat good food, good nutrition, because if you eat a family meal, and you cook good, you know, good nutritious meals. Not only are you spending time with your family, but you're also improving your body. Both of those aspects will contribute to lower anxiety. So, and because we always notice now that with the younger generations, you know, with your food on demand, with your apps, you tend more likely to eat at your desk away from your family. True. And you think it's convenient at that point, but at some point you'll realize long-term effects of not having a family meal. Reveal things were quite important. Uh, so uh, you talked about anxiety. What about things like productivity? So does having a good gut health also impact your overall productivity? Yes. Start with less bathroom breaks. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's a clear thought process. What does your brain need to work? What does your brain need? There's two things really that your brain needs. If someone tells me that your health is not going to affect, eat as much sugar as you want, I'm going to eat sugar. Yeah. Is it energy? Uh, so. Oxygen. Yeah, Oxygen. energy is correct. Okay. But so how does your body produce energy is by burning sugar. Hmm. You know the expression, burn some fat. It's yep. an oxidative process. So now for what you were saying, uh, a lot of times, if you notice, when we do the puja, we do stuff in ghee. Hmm. Why do we cook with ghee? I don't know. Neurotransmitters. So, you know, you notice they mix ghee and sugar, right? Yes. So that's kind of what your brain needs. It's brain food. Okay. Now, wow. if you want to put that in a cultural perspective, when we do Ganesh puja, what are the two major ingredients of what we put in the prasad? Ghee and sugar. Yeah. Why do we do Ganesh Puja? Because the elephant has the biggest brain. So what are we hoping from it? Transfer, right? Ganesh is also the god of knowledge. So do you see how a lot of cultural things that we do in day-to-day -day life have a scientific basis. But you don't think about it like that. Where has that intelligence gone? I mean, like... It's there. It's... You know, stop watching the TikToks. <laughs> exactly. That's why this no. channel. <laughs> well, I have a very fundamental question in that case. Uh, to Kostub's sure. point, sugar is something to the extent possible I refrain because I think naturally just having fruits and a lot of processed food and food itself that can give you a lot of sugar. And, and I don't 
really feel like I need more sugar out, outside of that. That's that's just how I think about sugar. And ghee specifically that you talked about, I just hate ghee. So <laughs> with that in mind, am I is it is this is this like killing my brain already? What am I doing? So do I need to actually start having a combination of this starting tomorrow or today itself? No, 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 no. No, it's not like I mean there's different things that you can do for the brain, right? So let's say if you live in New York and you want to go to California, I can tell you at least nine different ways that you can get from New York to California. Because there's I-10, I-20, I-30, I-40, I-50, I-60, I-70, I-80, and I-90. Those are nine different highways that get you from point to point. The ghee and the sugar were used because they were the most accessible. They were readily available. Hmm. So for your answer, you know, specifically, you can do some research and say, okay, well, what is good for the brain? What stimulates my neurotransmitters? Now, you guys, uh, let, let's use you guys as a patient, right? Mm-hmm. Guys are tech guys, work all hours, mostly sitting in the chair. Is that, am I mm-hmm. correct here? I stand. You're not walking around. No, oh, no, I, okay. Exactly. I mean, that, that was the reason, because I knew it wasn't, it wasn't helping, especially during COVID times. No, yeah. so I stand and work. I do more no. like a mix of it. Unfortunately, yeah. I have a standing desk, so it's like one hour sitting, one hour standing, that sort of thing. Yeah, but Anirudh, yeah. I mean, we, we are we are not representing the true. That's IT that's possible. Power. Okay, fair yeah. enough. All but, right, but I know where where AB is, AB is getting at. Yeah. Well, even by standing, you know, you're not really burning calories that much. That that kind of goes into your myth. Make yourself feel good. You know. I'd like to insult the Toyota Prius here for a moment. You know, it's one of those feel-good things. You know, you drive a Prius, you feel good. It's not really doing anything for the environment. It's one of those things. But you know, it's you guys are sitting most of the time or sedentary, because even when you stand, you're not really moving around. So you're just doing this mm. while standing, as opposed to sitting. So now, are you burning calories? I assume so. No. Are you are, but not as much as you would if you were walking. So then, in that equation, what has to change? So if you're not burning as many calories and you're still eating the same amount of uh, calories, okay, you have a mathematical dilemma, right? Hmm. Right. You're right. Yes. And I can explain that to you like I would explain a four-year-old. If you do. eat this much and you only poop out this much, then you have a mathematical dilemma. It's, but that's simple, right? So that's kind of where you would want to be changing what you eat. So you would want less calorie foods, but still packed with nutrients. True. You know, your your fruits, they have good sugar. We're not saying that sugar is bad, but you cannot have 10 candy bars in one day. You can have one or two if you want. But average lifestyle-wise now, most people have jobs which require them to sit for multiple hours, right? Even academia, uh, if you work in the IT industry, human resources, whatever, I mean, name any field that you, you want. Majority, we have uh, jobs where people sit down and you know not move around as much. So then we'd have to change the food that we eat. Mm. You guys remember the expression, right? Eat breakfast like a king. Mm. Eat lunch like a common person and eat dinner like a peasant. Yeah. What we're doing is the opposite. You have a protein bar 
for breakfast, a salad for lunch, and then a heavy dinner. Yeah. So yeah. what happens to all that excess uh, nutrition that you're having, excess carbohydrates, excess fats, excess protein? It gets turned all into fat because your body will convert glucose to glycogen, which is stored in your muscles and your liver because that's the immediate rainy day source of energy. Then after you reach max capacity of glycogen, then that starts turning into fat because your body can hold and store so much glycogen. So now that's turning into fat. Some goes into your bloodstream. So that's why we have hyperglycemia. Hmm. Same thing with the protein. We use the example of bodybuilders. You know, they eat a lot of protein. So they're muscular, but they still have a tummy. Because mm. extra protein also gets converted to fat. And this is basic biochemistry. Fascinating. I think it's I, not. It's, but, it's but, simple. It's, that's why it's fascinating. I mean, it's it's right out there. It's common sense. But I think for us, common sense is not so common. You just have to think about it like that. You know, it's, it's, I, I learn a lot every day from just doing things. Mm-hmm. working on the Land Rover. It's it's very fun because it's old one. Parts are not available. So where do I go? I go to the local hardware store. And, you know, I, I just walk in with random pieces. And I was like, okay, I want to join these two. And this is the angle. So now we sit there for half an hour. And I let them use the expertise because I can't know everything. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing we don't do as people. In our professional circles, you know, I'll, I'll give you one example in our scientific community you know everybody has their phds and mds and along with that comes the big ego and you're so if you get a research grant and you want to invent let's say something to overfeed mice to cause intestinal injuries i'm only saying this because we did this project so now we didn't have a device to feed the mice right to force feed them to induce injury and, you know, we're looking at all sorts of websites everywhere. And you know, one day it was, we were looking at the mouse cadavers. And so a, a friend and I, we just jotted down some measurements on the paper. And we're like, okay, well, what do we do with this? So then I remember that we have an engineering building. Walked into the engineering building. It was like, hey, who can make me this? And then they took us to the 3D printing lab. And the engineer that he said, well, ah, we can make this. What are you using this for? You're using it for long-term drug delivery. So, okay, well, we'll make it from this compound. We'll coat it with this compound, and this is where we'll add the drug. And I'm like, done. So that was so much time we saved because we went and talked to somebody else and did not have egos. That's the other thing. I mean, the world is a lot simpler than we make it to be. You know, it's, we make it to be complex. It's, it's of- not Dr. Sarvadaman Pathak talking to us. It's It's... Uh, guru Abe talking to us. No, just, just just regular Abe. It surprises me. Why is it so difficult for you know you to go to be like, hey, same thing. And this is what I like to tell people. You know, we we have a lot of faith in doctors. I'm not dissing my own people here, mm-hmm. but the average time that a doctor has with a patient. So typically here, insurance will allow you to have a 20 minute slot, give or take. Mm-hmm. So now in that 20 minutes, you got to look at the chart, you see what's going on, look at the medication, see what's going on, talk to the patient, do the physical exam, come out, write a note. So that's not enough time. Hmm. 
So you as a patient, you have very limited time with the doctor. So it is important for you to be your own advocate and ask questions. I mean, you kind of touched on this point, but please too, for, for our audience, how to have a good conversation with your doctor? Just ask questions bluntly. And he's not going to get upset. I mean, he, he, like, the goal of a doctor is to help you. And if you have at a the, question... At times, at times people have, have noticed. I mean, if, if someone asked, so it, this has to be done, why? I mean, if, if the first question is why, because you don't yeah. know, someone, a patient wouldn't know. And the first question is obviously why? Is it at times, I mean, maybe, uh, I, or I have noticed that they take offense of this or trust me yeah. in my abilities or, I mean, so that that is also one of the experiences that many of the patients would have had. Well, you could say, could you please explain this to me? Better than why? Yeah. Why is more like you're making an accusation? But could you please explain how this works? Do you see how that has a different ring to it? I'm more likely to now be in a position, take extra time and sit there with you to explain. Because doctors are human beings at the end of the day also, right? We also have bad days like other people. So now, you know, if it's a relationship where you have to figure out how you can benefit the most. The doctors went to school for almost a decade to help people. Yeah. So they specialize in this area. But if you have a question, you should be able to ask it. You can't just blindly say that, okay, my doctor said this, this, this. Hmm. And that's also a, a, an honest, good assessment based on what is there. But now if you didn't answer the questions in your health questionnaire properly, you know, that's also the baseline, the foundation of how they're going to be treating you in the future. Hmm. Like if, and I, I've noticed this a lot in, in the Indian community, not only there, but also here. They, you know, we say, okay, well, my doctor said this, I need to do this. And sometimes I ask them, why? Why are you taking, do you know why you're doing this? And it's, it's very, very simple. And you know, once I explain it to you, like diabetes, uh, patients with diabetes who have heart problems, we typically give them a medication, it's called an ACE inhibitor or an ARB angiotensin receptive blocker. Now, people just say, okay, yeah, my doctor said I'll take it. But then have you ever wondered why? Because that particular medication not only reduces your blood pressure, but it also increases peripheral circulation. So when you have diabetes, your microvessels are going out first because they're smaller. And sugar, you're thickening your blood, right? It becomes more viscous. If you notice honey versus water, honey is more viscous. So those vessels tend to get blocked first. And that's when you get the retinopathy, the neuropathy, the nephropathy. With this medication, we can increase the peripheral circulation to prevent further damage. So that's why you're on that medication. So now if you don't ask, you won't know. If you don't know, you're taking your medication as a chore because you have to do it. So that affects how you have a perception of your medication and of your doctor. He is doing the right thing by you. But then he's like, oh, man, this is such an inconvenience. I got to wake up at 6 in the morning to take my medication. And that's also based on science, right? Your body does different things different times of day. And I believe it is in, uh, in a lot of medical scriptures. But most recently, I was 
uh, informed by a good friend of mine, even in the Quran, there's actually a section on embryology, on organ development, right? Have you seen the pictures where the fetus and the earlobe are side by side? No, but when you, do you bring that point? It, yeah. Shape of the ear. So now there's different uh, points on your ear which correspond to different organs. It's just like reflexology when they touch your feet with the points, pressure points, is that. So a lot of this is a scientific foundation. I mean, it, it clearly explains embryology in the Quran. And this was a long time ago. So we knew about that. You know, it's become, you know, instead of just reading a little bit more, you know, we're like, ah, oh, man, this is such a chore. I, I, I know this is good for me and I have to do it. I don't know why, but I have to do it. So that's kind of what we want to do is also educate the patient. And now with limited time, it's very difficult to do. But then, you know, as a patient, you should have certain responsibility. You know, you should look up. Let's say I prescribe you a medication. Information is now available readily on the Internet. Everybody has a smartphone. And so you can just go on your phone and look. It's just simple things like that that make the patient-doctor relationship easier. And so, and you have to ask questions. You really do. Because you are putting something in your body. True. Uh, last question before we get into the lighter round of, sure. of, of this interview, of this show. How can an individual improve their gut health and, well, and any recommendations from your side? Absolutely. Uh, most commonly, yogurt. There are so many different probiotic yogurts out there. Mm -hmm. right? uh, you can have yogurt daily. It's as simple as that. You can take a probiotic supplement. So now uh, we have done so much research that we have and are familiar with all the different strains of the probiotic bacteria that you need. So there are different supplements out there you can readily get on Amazon that you can mm -hmm. take once daily or twice daily as recommended. Uh, you can eat fermented foods, soy sauce, like pickles, pickled vegetables, also rich in probiotics. You can drink kombucha. Are you familiar? Are you talking? Are you talking? I I know pickled vegetables, but are you talking about the pickles that we have in Indian families? That uh, you can you, you can use that, yeah, because mustard seed and all that, you know, pickles are fermented, even those, right? You let the spice ferment. Same thing with if you're familiar with Korean food, kimchi. Why do they eat a lot yeah. of kimchi? Probiotic. So, I mean, it's really just nutritional, it's dietary. And when when it comes to that, I'd re like re to touch on a point where, you know, people have these fad diets. Yeah. My, my family has gone through that. My family has gone through that, yeah. And I mean, it, it works. Yeah, it'll get the weight off. But the key to diet is consistency. You want to be doing something habitually. And the reason it takes a long time is so that once you actually do it and maintain, then the weight stays off. But with probiotics, I mean, there's so many different ways you can do it. Uh, some you take with food, some you don't. And, you know, another way to do is reduce the amount of antibiotics you take. Mm -hmm. So now let's say you have a cold, a cough, sore throat. Uh, an easy thing that we can do with a readily available household ingredients is a tea. You take turmeric, you take black pepper, honey, grated fresh ginger, lemon, 
and hot water and put it in a big thermos and you just sip on it all day. Now we say black pepper because turmeric has a compound called curcumin. Mm -hmm. Curcumin is in terms of bioavailability is not directly absorbed by your body. So you can just eat turmeric. It's not going to do anything. But when you observe, when we cook Indian food, you put turmeric in oil, right? And then you heat it. So that activates the curcumin molecule for you to be able to digest it. Same thing with milk. You put turmeric in milk, right? Before you go to bed and you drink that. It's activated by fat. It's activated by heat. It's activated by black pepper. So that's why you have to have that combination. People who just eat simply turmeric for health, you know, you may not necessarily get the benefits. You could even make a turmeric root pickle, which is very delicious. So you know how you make the mango pickle, you just get turmeric root and you cut it in julienne, you know, like those long thin slices, julienne it, and just make a pickle of that. I mean, that's the simplest, cheapest way to get probiotics. And turmeric, it's overall, Good for your health. And that's it what you call good. as your nutraceuticals. I mean, I think when, when I research the word, that's the food. Nutraceuticals yeah. is actually the food. Well, if I, if I turn that turmeric pickle and put the extract of it into a capsule, then it becomes a nutraceutical. So it's a nutrition and a pharmaceutical. You combine them. That's, that's what nutraceutical is in essence. So uh -huh. I mean, there's just so many things you can do simply in your day-to-day -day life. The ancient cultures, right? Egyptians used to eat yogurt. There's kefir, it's a dairy product from Turkey. They eat yogurt. China, they don't have a lot of lactose heavy products, but they do have yogurt. It comes in tiny, cute little bottles with a straw and you drink it. It's probiotics. Soy sauce, probiotic, you know, sauerkraut, probiotic. So you live in Germany, you must be familiar with sauerkraut. And you know, it's, time, it's that time of year, it's Oktoberfest. Right, right, yes. So now, to balance the Oktoberfest, they have the sauerkraut. Right. Uh, you know, it's always good to remember, you know, do not do anything in excess nutritionally. Don't excessively starve yourself. Don't excessively eat food too much. You know, don't just eat all fried food. Have a balance. True. And, you know, we can talk about just food in one episode, how food is medically beneficial for you. Because, I mean, it's really all just simple things that you know that you did, that you have done in the past, but at a cost of convenience, you're not doing those things. Mm -hmm. So true. I, I think this, is, this has been amazingly educational for both of you. This is common sense though. It's common sense. You know, it's, it's things you know. But yes. in that case, you are indicating that we lack some common sense, but <laughs> we take that. <laughs> we humbly. It's not necessarily common sense, you know. It's, it's convenience, you know. Yeah. It, you, you, you want food, you want it now, right? If you could wait 15 minutes, is that going to hurt you? Mm -hmm. You can just get off of a 72 hour cruise where you had no food. Mm. You, know, you had food a couple hours ago. You can wait 15 minutes. Thanks for bringing it to notice on this episode. This this has been, as I said, even though it's common sense, it's 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 quite educational because we take yeah. these things for granted. We don't pay attention to this, and we focus on living the life of for quick results and not maintain, yeah. not have a consistent, balanced lifestyle. 
I think that's that's probably one way of you know summarizing your book, your philosophy, your ideology, and and the pure growth mindset attitude that you have in almost everything. So hats off to that, Abe. So we did not even talk about the book, but still we talked about the book. So that's yeah. that's 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 fascinating. Um, we just, well, we just I, talked I just about the book in a simpler way. Sorry, exactly. we just talked about the book in a simpler way. You know, I saved the hours of reading. <laughs> Absolutely. <But laughs> true. You're forgetting the most important incentive now of living this way. It's cheaper, man. You save a lot of money. <laughs> Who doesn't like money? If you, if I tell you that by living like this, you know, you're going to save money. Are you likely to do it? That is the incentive. So, you know, if you're incentivized properly, human beings will do anything. And if you're incentivized to have a healthier life, why would you do it? It's time for us to get into the last segment of this this episode. As moving away from all the books that you have written, I just want to know the aspect of the reading. Um, you know, how it fascinates you. But the way we would, would want to know is through a rapid fire round. Uh, I, okay. We haven't shared those questions with you. So it would be at times very uh, childlike questions for you, uh, sure. but it's it's interesting. Okay. Um, are you okay? Should we start? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. The first word that comes to your mind. Okay. Fiction versus nonfiction. Fiction. Which, which is your favorite book? Old Man in the Sea, Ernest Hemingway. Ah, okay. Which is the book that you that everyone recommended to you, but you hated it? None. Okay, then. Okay, all right. That's. I would argue with that, but that's okay. How many books have you read in this year? Quite a few. I was in the hospital six months this year, so I just read everything I could. Okay. Which is your favorite Indian author? He has an Indian background, Viet Naipaul. Okay, and which is his book? Which you have? Which you uh, remember? Quite a few different books. I mean, he was based uh, in Trinidad for a while and things like that. So, you know, he was not allowed back in India and complicated. So I'd okay. Rather not okay. get go there. Okay. Um, a- any movie that you liked more than the book? No. Right answer. <laughs> I have to think about right. that one. Because yeah. I, I don't okay. remember many movies of books. Yeah, but that was the right answer. Last question, which is which is always, uh, a, you know, it, it's debatable. Are you a Kindle reader or a book reader? I like the feel of a book, like a proper book. I tried the Kindle, you know, save space when you travel. But it's really not the same, and I find myself losing interest. Okay. All right. Fine. I think this is where we end our, our rapid fire. Abe, this has been, I mean, first of all, connecting back with you is super cool. So thanks for accepting our invitation to be on the show. You thank put, you, you, thank you very much. You put such a complex topic in such a simple flow. Thank you for doing that. And the way we know your life has been it has been quite an awesome journey. Yeah. Continue doing that. And through you, we would want to thank all 
the medical professional staff, doctors, pharma pharmacists, the support staff, a heart full of gratitude for during the COVID times. So thank you very much. I will let them know at our next big meeting. <laughs>